welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo bring a movie to the table. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it's always fun at the Film Club. Miss Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing good today, Dean. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful because we got to watch one of your picks this week. And low key, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I really like this movie. Has since I was a little kid. Yeah. Still holds up for me. And you made more of a fight for Back to the Future than you did for this one. I the did. the other podcast. That, 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 that's because Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. It's an A number one. This is like a solid, like, you know, seven, eight on that on that top ten list. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it has one of the greatest heroes in all of cinema, but eh, whatever. True. And, Absolutely. And that's what we're talking about this month. That is. We're doing our tribute to cinematic heroes this month, so we will be talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark in this episode. And talking about our hero of the film, Indiana Jones himself. Yes, we are. And to give a little bit of context for those people out there who might not know, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, was released in 1981, and it became the highest grossing film of that year, raking in a clean $200 million. Some other notable films that Raiders beat out are Superman 2, James, the James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only, and... Uh, one of my favorite films from my childhood, Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. Here's to you. Uh, this is also the year President Reagan was shot, uh, Natalie Wood disappeared, and James Cameron directed his first feature film, which, uh, you know, was about piranhas. But yeah, and well, it let's talk be, about And Indy. it wouldn't be till years later when your favorite James Cameron film, Titanic, would come out. It's called Terminator 2. Thank you. That's my favorite James Cameron movie. Right, right. Yes, yes. But yeah. In 1981 was was actually kind of a big year when I think about it. Yeah, a lot of things came out in 81 and, you know, speaking of 81, this makes Indiana Jones 40 this year. It does. I think it celebrated its 40th anniversary a couple weeks ago. I think it was either last month or the month before. Yeah, because I remember they were doing showings of this in the theater, and I I wanted to go, but yeah. it was like I think it was like a one-night event for the theater near us. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. But I digress because we get to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. One of the best films of all time. It's on the AFI Top 100. It's one of the five or six Steven Spielberg movies on the AFI Top 100. I mean, just admit it. Spielberg is gold. (sighs) Yeah, but he has the most. He has more than Hitchcock. I love both. Mm, Interesting, interesting. Well... And we love Indiana Jones. We do. So, Boo, uh, where do you want to get started with this one? Well, you said that you loved Indy since you were a little boy, so... I think every every young boy wants to grow up to be Indiana Jones, yes. It's like cowboy, uh, police policeman, and Indiana Jones. Or a pirate. You only got four options when you're a little boy. I mean, I don't think you could exclude the girls either, because... There's a lot of girls that wanted to be archaeologists running around on adventures. Not not the girl that has I love you drawn on her eyelids in Mr. Jones's class. Didn't want to grow up to be that one. I mean, when you're older, you could grow up to, you know, tell Harrison Ford that you love him with, you know, writing on your eyes. But that's as a, a kid... That's a weird scene, right? I mean, he looks good in a suit. Looks better in his indie costume. Yes, this is true. But yeah, um... 
so yeah, I remember watching this and as a little kid, and I think that's kind of why I attached myself to it a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember it was because my grandmother had the VHS triple yeah. thing, and she also had a bunch of the Indiana Jones like TV show, like a like young indie. Yeah. Uh, those ones I watched like two episodes or two of those little movie things, and that was that was good enough for me. That was yeah, that was those, fine. Those were okay. They were pretty cheesy. Like yeah. I'm be real with you. They, those were made in like the '90s. They mm-hmm. be pretty bad, but the movies were great. I watched Raiders, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade. I watched the Last Crusade like on loop, like on repeat. It's a great movie. Oh yeah, it has Sean Connery in it. It has James Bond in it. It does. It does. And it has beautiful locations in it. They go to Jordan. Mm-hmm. They do. And this movie that has a lot of locations for in it. Yeah, they're mostly in Tunisia for this movie. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's uh, something from Lucas. <laughs> um. Because George Lucas was a producer on this, and he did the story, right? Yeah, he wrote the film. Yeah. Well, I think James Cam or Lawrence Kasdan... He wrote the he wrote the film, but George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Kasdan they all contributed to like the story thing. Are I you sure? Because I I know that uh, George Lucas wrote the treatment to this. Yeah, and he based this on a couple of dreams that he had. So I think this is you know this was Star Wars or like his brain children that he came up with. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is um he wrote the treatment, but he didn't write the script. The script and the treatment are kind of they're a little bit different. Um, usually when you're doing a treatment, at least in instances that I know of, is it's like, here's a broad outline of the movie and kind of the feel we're going for. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that to sell the, to sell the movie to people. Like here, here's like my outline of the movie. And then when somebody says yes or whatever, then they write the full script. So they did have a hard time getting someone to latch onto this project. They did. This movie was in development hell for like 10 years. Yeah, and it took a lot of George Lucas's money and convincing Paramount to get this movie made. Actually, I... Okay, because I write down some questions for this, and I actually have a question that relates to this. Mm-hmm. Because the, the film's backstory is, is fascinating because it was originally made up in the 70s by George Lucas, mm-hmm. and he flushed it out with some help from Kasdan and Spielberg yeah. through that time, but it just sat in development hell for forever. Yeah. And I'm wondering... When the film was finally made, since Spielberg directed it, it wasn't Lucas. Mm-hmm. How much do you think is of the original Lucas idea versus, like, Spielberg's, like, Spielbergian touch to it? Because it's filmed in Tunisia. That's where Lucas filmed a lot of Star Wars. But that yeah. might have just been him being a producer and being like, I know it's cheap here. That's probably a majority of what it is. That, you know, it's affordable to film out there versus doing it completely studio here in the states or in england yeah where some all, of the major studios are it also looks better oh yeah anytime that you could do you know filming on an actual desert location or in a forest it's going to look a hundred times better than what you can replicate in a studio even though i will give it to studio hands and other creators that do do um, they do a good job but you can't mimic a vast hundred mile desert in a back lot yeah, you can't mimic nature, but sometimes these people can. It's hard to tell it what you're looking at. It gets close sometimes, yeah. yeah. But for this, I think Indy did need to be an outdoor movie, an authentic movie, in yeah. that sense, to really make you feel like you're back in the 30s. Well, a lot of it is just going into that serialized nature where, you know, it's a globe-trotting adventure story. Mm-hmm. But I And I, the kind of that um, comes back to my original question. So, 
I we know that Lucas his claim to fame is Star, Star Wars. Wars. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. It because it's the biggest media franchise of all time, or it's in the top five easily. Probably all time. I think the world changed after Star Wars hit. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... It's not the birth of the blockbuster, because the birth Jaws. is Jaws. But there's like, yeah, oh, Jaws is the first blockbuster. And then Star Wars comes out, and it's like, no, 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 Spielberg, hold my fucking beer. I'm going to show you what money looks like. I mean, we're just listing off my favorite movies back to back to back. Star Wars, Jaws, Indy. I'm, try I'm trying to get a smile out of you. You're so serious about Raiders. It's but, yeah. a serious film. Serious adventure oh, oh, film. Oh, that, that, that. You... Yeah, pull you pull that plug right now. This movie is not serious in the slightest. But hey, this Ark of the Covenant can you know destroy the planet. Okay, we're gonna get to that later because I got questions. You always have questions. Never it's, stop. It's the point of the podcast. But <sighs> and regular life. Yeah, but yeah, because you know Spielberg's whole thing is that family-natured kind of filmmaking. And, and then you have, you know, heads exploding and faces melting. It happens. And you, you watch that as a family. You, you do. You do. But Lucas, uh, we can be honest, the man can't write dialogue worth a damn. This goes into more of your territory since you write treatments, you write scripts. Mm -hmm. I'm just there to enjoy the finished product. I understand. But I guess that's the thing. I feel like with Raiders, a lot of this movie is probably... Spielberg, but the broad strokes feel really George Lucasy because the plot doesn't really follow that hero's journey that he's famous for through mm -hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, it it really does feel like a copy pasta of those old adventure serials that Lucas Spielberg has, and they all grew up with. Yeah. But I know Lucas is a lot better at taking homages to things mm -hmm. and implementing them than yeah. a lot of other people. Again, Star Wars is a great example because I watched it. It was legitimately a a two hour video where somebody made Star Wars but without Star Wars, mm -hmm. and it was a shot for shot recreation of the movies that Lucas based Star Wars off of. It's okay. like half of like Ben Hur. It's some of like Forbidden Fortress. There's a like a bunch of weird like war documentaries for the Tie Fighter scenes, and it's fascinating mm -hmm. how you constructed it but that's the thing lucas is really good at taking all this shit from his childhood that he likes and just mixing them up into a basket and see what happens and this kind of feels like that and it kind of works yeah so. it does work but i mean how this differs from star wars is we don't have like a cast of characters that we stick with through the entire franchise no we don't we just stick with indy and the only time that we see marion again is in crystal skull Every that doesn't exist yeah for me it exists but because, you know, with Crystal Skull and the new movie that are coming out, they get married. So it's like, we're wondering, is Marion going to make a comeback in the new indie movie that's being filmed right now? I mean... Because she would be the only consistent person that we see throughout the franchise. Because every movie, there's a new cast of characters, but it's indie that is always present. Yeah, well, it's Indiana Jones. That's the franchise. Yeah, and then we see how he's made his you know carbon footprint in the earth you know everywhere he goes they know him mm -hmm. and it, it's kind of interesting to see that you don't really need a supporting cast with him you just need indie and you get new adventures with all the new people that you meet throughout the films well that's a classic that's a classic story archetype for mm -hmm. a lot of those old um old adventure stories old old television 
I mean, I'm okay. So I'm watched rewatching the original Star Trek right mm-hmm. now, and yeah, you have your main cast, the ensemble, yeah. you know, Kirk, Bones, and Spock, but there's like different guest stars every week. There's a different, you know, there's a different villain. There's a different alien. Sometimes there's you meet red shirts on the crew that have never showed up before, but mm-hmm. now they're the most important people in you know Shatner's life. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying with Indy. We don't have, like, a main cast of people. It, it's yeah, just we him, have Indy. And he is such a strong character that it's like, you really don't need, you know, friends or other people that are in this that we consistently see. You don't need anybody for Indy to bounce off of. No, except Sean Connery. Him and Sean Connery are great together. It would have been great to see them our, do our, more stuff together. R.I.P. Sean Connery. Yes. I'll always remember you for Time Bandits. Uh, yeah, that again, Time uh, Bandits for me is a, is a childhood touchstone. I know, I will, you talk about it all the time. That movie's wonderful. But that actually brings me to an, to another point, because... So, Indiana Jones is the archetypical act, like action hero figure now. Like, a lot of people, when they're making adventure or action-adventure movies, they're trying to make the main character Indiana Jones, or at least that was the yeah. template for years. Yeah. Sarcastic, kind of charming... Uh, kind of a rough and tumble guy, but generally smart. Mm-hmm. And and a love interest on top of and that. He, and he's and he's also a good looking character. Yeah. Right. And Harrison Ford, this is the role he was born to play. And that he will not let go to anybody else. Yes. And I'm gonna be real with you. Like, granted, people probably when they're thinking of Harrison Ford, it goes Han, Han Solo, Solo, then Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. but. Honestly, he's a way better actor in the indie movies than in Star Wars. Yeah, because he really wasn't a fan of Star Wars. Indy... He, he wanted to get killed off in every Star Wars movie yeah. he appeared in. He hated making those movies. And I love him in Star Wars. I mean, who doesn't love Han Solo? Mm-hmm. But there's just something special about Indiana Jones, and casting was just perfect, casting him, him as that character. He was like, what, the fourth or fifth person they they tried to get? I think so. Yeah, because I know Tom Selleck turned it down. Yeah. Um, who, oh, there was like, yeah, Tom I, Selleck, Burt Reynolds, because apparently Burt Reynolds has turned down every major hero role in cinema history. But still pretty good. We still, you know, remember him for the films that he did do. Yeah, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, who could yeah. forget that? But yeah. yeah. I forget who else, but yeah, there were at least three or four people that they did ask before Harrison Ford. And, you know, it was just like putting that glove on just fit perfectly as a character. And he's in his late 70s now, I think. No, he's in his 80s. He's in his 80s? Yeah, because when he did... Um... Crystal Skull? No, no, when he did Raiders, this is 81, and I think he was already in his, like, mid-30s, late-30s by now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I guess I guess by that logic, he'd be in his mid-to-late-70s now, but I think he's, like, 80. I think this is going to be his, like, 80th birthday this year. Okay. Yeah. Granted, the, the guy's however old and can still kind of move around it. I don't think he can do action scenes. He did break his shoulder recently. Yeah, he did get injured on the set and it seems like that's kind of a thing that he does with these movies. He just rolls he, into it. He, he rolls into it so you see that he's not just there to be the face. It's like he is the character. Yeah. So he takes his, you know, bumps and bruises and he comes back for more, which is Indiana Jones. Yeah, and I guess that's that's my question because I think it's agreeable that Indiana Jones has its place in cinematic history in terms oh, of in terms of a hero character mm-hmm. 
and Han Solo, and sorry, Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. See, even I do it. Yeah. Harrison Ford has basically solidified himself as he is Indiana Jones. Yeah. But this is kind of the Robert Downey Jr. question is what happens when, God forbid, you know, mm -hmm. Harrison Ford either gets too old to play Indy, passes on, what have you. Do you think they could ever recast this? Could we ever get another Indiana Jones? Because they did rumor they were going to have Chris Pratt yeah. play Indiana Jones, and people were kind of on board with it. And then they saw the next Jurassic Park movie, and they were like, maybe not, Chris. But did you see those Photoshop pictures of him in the full indie garb? Yeah. He, he looked... He he looks the part, because, yeah. I, I mean, granted, to look the part of Indiana Jones, it's closest to Harrison Ford without going over. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it's like I can see them doing that because studios want money. So yeah. I'm it, I'm gonna be real with everybody. We're gonna get get a new Iron Man in ten years. I I would, uh, I'll put real money on it. We probably will, but I mean, no one will ever compare to Robert Downey Jr. They said the same thing about um, Heath Ledger's Joker, and then Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar. He did, but we're always gonna talk about uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. You know, that's my theory about the Heath Ledger Joker and then the Joaquin Phoenix is they only had Jared Leto play bad Joker so they can get another person to play good Joker because no one was going to be able to follow up Heath Ledger. So they needed to throw a sacrificial lamb onto the pyre so they can get more Joker movies out. Or they just really hyped up Suicide Squad and we kind of walked out of that like, well, that, that didn't fit the hype that we all, all were expecting. We went and saw that together. And at first I was like, it was fine. Yeah. And then I kind of ruminate on like, Man, I really was, I was really generous with my opinions on that movie. Banging soundtrack, though. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Well, they were stealing, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. We'll just make the soundtrack 70s rock and just figure it out later. But at least in so, Guardians of the Galaxy, it, it played into it. That and it was a cool mixtape, because you can't beat a mixtape. You know something awesome I found out? Because, hmm. you know, Raiders, Steven Spielberg. One of Steven Spielberg's favorite movies, because he did an interview, I don't know, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm updating his like 10 favorite movies list of all time yeah and uh guardians of the galaxy is on there now it's in his top 10 i mean how could it not that's an amazing movie well yeah but i mean usually when you get these um directors who are like oh you've been in the industry forever you know like martin scorsese mm -hmm. he's like well oh my favorite movie how oh, it has to be some something from the italian neorealist genre da 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 and steven spielberg is like nah it goes like it's a wonderful life lawrence of arabia guardians of the galaxy he he doesn't he don't mess around. He's pretty pretty cool. Because Steven Spielberg is a man of the people, a man of the movies. He's always loved movies for movies, so it doesn't need to be something. Spielberg twenty twenty four. I'm voting for you, boy. Hands down, would vote every day for him. Vice President uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Hmm. No, Tom Hanks. <laughs> it, it's how Spielberg. How could you vote against Tom Hanks? Exactly, the nicest guy ever. Exactly. Well, so, yeah. So so you would agree that. It's gonna happen. It, if if it, if they want to keep the franchise going, we're gonna get a new uh, yeah, indie. Of course we will. You know, do we want it right now? Absolutely not. I mean, if they do stick with Chris Pratt, do I think he could pull it off? Probably. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we're getting with uh, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. People have been saying, you know, Sebastian Stan is gonna be the next Luke Luke Skywalker. Well, that's just because have you ever seen Sebastian Stan in mm -hmm. like the Get Up? Yeah, it's uncanny. I, it is. And Mark Hamill has said that he's okay with him taking on that role for him. So 
you know <sighs> i just i just want us to have the timothy zahn like star wars trilogy it that's going into some weird like non-canonical bullshit in the star wars universe but there was the series of books that were supposed to be the true sequels of the star wars original trilogy mm-hmm. and it's written by timothy zahn it's and it's fan fucking tastic i own all the books on fucking hardcover but that's besides the point but yeah more star wars more raiders more whatever and i think we need to swing back into raiders well we'll swing back into raiders because i was telling a little story so why don't we talk a little bit of the story of raiders of the lost ark because it's not hard to see the influences the series like the action serials had on this yeah the movie feels episodic it's. I think the movie's runtime is like two-ish hours long. I think it was an hour fifty. Yeah, hour fifty-five. So it, it's getting close to two hours, but it feels like every ten minutes, fifteen minutes, we're in just another mini epi- mini episode of this action series. And yeah, I, I guess. Well, I mean, think about it. it it's a globe-trotting adventure thing. Yeah. We go from the jungles in the Amazon to this Harvard professorship to the to cairo to the himalayas mm-hmm. to the south pacific to all the all these places yeah and every one of those little moments and beats happen and it's like oh this is kind of like watching those old action serials mm-hmm. i mean i i remember watching some of them when i was really young because my mom or somebody bought those superman serial things because yeah. they're like oh you're into comic books Here's a DVD I found at Walmart for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And obviously I watched them because I'm a massive fucking nerd. But yeah, and this kind of kind of feels like that. And I guess my question is, do you think the story works when it's so kind of disjointed here? Because we have a lot of characters that kind of cycle in and out of these movies throughout the whole franchise. It definitely works. Definitely? It, definitely, because we're following indie so you feel like you're going with him mm-hmm. from each country coming back to the states just to take off again to go rescue an artifact from this little country that we've never heard of where this tribe is chasing him down to the waters where he needs to make his quick escape mm-hmm. so it, it works yeah. it's like, you know these people are gonna funnel in and out and it's like reality you know we don't know everybody out there we see whoever anytime we're out and out and about in the street just kind of like indie yeah. You know, you're just passing on by, getting to where you need to get. Some guy comes out and swings his, you know, sabotar, and, you know, you just kind of shoot him and move along. I mean, if, That's one of the best... if it's a best, you know, if it's a busy day, that and you've been in a fight, yeah. Best, the best improvised moments in cinema history. And it will always get a laugh. Yeah. You go see that in a movie theater, or it if someone plays the clip for, up. yeah, for a large audience, everyone will laugh at that clip. Yeah. But... I guess that's the thing, because the movie is serialized, and it does work as a movie. Again, this is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. But I, I always keep going back to the fact that it it feels like, man, if they just stretch this out a little bit, they could they could definitely cut this into like a couple 30-minute episodes of a TV show, and it would work totally fine. Or like 15-minute segments, and it would work basically at, as a regular like serialized story. I mean, I mean, it probably could, but I like it. You, in you like it as a as a two hour just thing. Yeah, you know, I like to sit there and go through the entire adventure from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. I like knowing what's going to happen instead. Of, I gotta wait, you know, next time for another fifteen twenty minutes. It's you, like, you do not miss the old days of television. 
I mean, you still kind of have to. It's not like some series like Netflix where they just put the whole series on there mm-hmm. and you could just watch it from beginning to end, which I love. Regular TV, you still got to wait week to week to week. Yeah. And it's rough. It is. I remember when Game of Thrones was big all yeah. those years ago. And uh, yeah, I was one of those people who waited up you know, every day to steal HBO at midnight when it finally dropped in Europe. And then, you know, the last episode came out, and I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm done with you. Ah, no no more. No more waiting up until midnight to watch Game of Thrones. That's That time is over now. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. But yeah, and it, it has been a long time, and I think that might bring me around to the question I held off earlier. Okay. About the Ark of the Covenant. All right. And, all right, I have, I have a lot of questions here. Uh, what would be new? Well, first, what does the Ark actually do? Because all we see it do is melt Nazi faces. Is it? Is that all it does? Well, it... I mean, uh, what, what's the character's name? Who, the Nazi dude? Is he a Nazi? Or he's always fighting with Indy. Uh, Belloc. Oh, Belloc? Yeah. He's, Played um... by Paul Freeman. I believe he's like a French archaeologist that the Nazis hired to... To get the Ark? Yeah, to get the Ark and things like that. Because he's the evil, bizarro Indiana Jones. Yeah, who's constantly a step ahead of Indy. And Indy is very much, these things belong in a museum. Mm-hmm. One of Indy's catchphrases. This belongs in a museum. Yes. Good stuff. And uh, Belloc is very, I'm just here to make a, a dollar. Mm-hmm. So, what we hear from Belloc is that the Ark is a transmitter to speak to God. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, we're not supposed to know what the Ark does. Mm -hmm. And when when it melts the faces off of the Nazis, I think the Ark acts in its own way, and it does what it needs to do. That's, see, that's a weird, that's just weird to me. I don't, that that might be because of how I, like, think of, objects and movies yeah but i mean because it is it is a macguffin that's all it is yeah and i mean we even have you know Salo when he's talking about the ark when he uh what does he say he says that um it's not of this world Mm -hmm. and it's just it's its own entity and you know i get andy he's trying to protect it he's trying to keep it from harming other people and have in exchange having people harm it itself and the nazis are in it just to acquire it because that was what hitler did he just you know acquired shit acquired stole shit from many places many people so it was just another treasure to add to his treasure trove Mm -hmm. and i think that the ark is going to do what the ark does and that's why we get melted uh, nazi faces what it does is melt faces it's like a sick iron maiden concert yeah so and then my, my next thing when, at the end of the movie, they take the Ark to Top Men. Mm-hmm. That giant warehouse that's like the size of Detroit. Yeah. What the fuck is in that warehouse? Why is that I, I warehouse mean, so big? I mean, I think anything could be in that warehouse. Is it is it just supposed to be this like, um, like crazy image at the end of the movie that people are like, the government has all this stuff, man. That's what's in Area 51, man. Is that what that that last image is supposed to be? Because it's an amazing image. Yeah. It's, it looks on like an infinite warehouse of these boxes, and the I Ark mean, of the Covenant just is gonna sit there. What else is there? It's I mean, let be... let alone that image is used in so many memes. Oh God, yes. 
even even Family Guy memes with that image. Yeah, but I I think that meme or that meme, sorry, that image of all the the crates in this warehouse that the Ark is just kind of slid into an aisle underneath a billion more crates. I think it's just to show we don't really know everything that's out there, just like we don't know that the Ark is out there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of scary to see, you know, if someone were to break into that facility. What can they unleash? Maybe they'll unleash an alien. Maybe they'll... Well, that was what happened in Crystal Skull. That's right. We got the skull from that warehouse, too. <sighs> Makes me mad, but whatever. But yeah, I, I think it's just... It's one of those final images where I'm always like, is this a sequel bait image? Or is this just a, hey, guys, we're going to blow your mind with this. It's going to look so cool. I think it could be both. It's, it's a little bit of both. Because we do get the sequel. Mm-hmm. And we do end up going back to the warehouse in the fourth movie. Yeah, Crystal that's Skull. Crystal Skull. Yeah, so I think they probably have that there as a, you know, if we ever need an idea for something, we can always go back to this big room and mm-hmm. unearth something else that's earth-shattering. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, the the tablets from the Ten Commandments could be in that room. Man, I want to see that movie. But besides mm-hmm. the point. So here, here's the last one for me about the Ark of the Covenant, and this is just going on with the movie meme about this movie mm-hmm. where I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. If Indy didn't get involved, it would have ended the same way Yeah. because you know, Oh, as soon as the Nazis open up the Ark of the covenant, you know, Oh, they've won. Mm-hmm. It just melts their face. Yeah. It melts their face. Yeah. And you know, Indy all, I think all he really does is just delay that slightly and he might i think he calls the u.s to pick him up at the end that might be all he does yeah but then the nazis would have been melted and then the ark would have just been exposed to where they took it so again someone could have come along and taken it and you know melted their own face melted their own face or whatever else it decided to unleash the next time so i don't think that you know indy being a part of this really caused nothing to happen i mm-hmm. think it was important for him to acquire this and have it in safekeeping where yeah no one can harm it and vice versa no one can be harmed well that's what yeah and that's what we're inferring from you know indy as a character yeah. and indy's motivations but in terms of like the legitimate plot of the film mm-hmm. you know this happens then this happens then this happens yeah it's weird because it's you know as it laid out indy doesn't have to be involved in the movie for the movie to solve its own like MacGuffin problem and my question is do you think that diminishes the film no 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 that doesn't diminish it you're just like it's about the journey man it's about the journey and i mean we do get a resolution you know it it's ends up in the right hands and it is in the hands of top men yes and it is protected because if it had stayed in the the cavern that it was with all the snakes someone eventually would have discovered that cavern and found the ark it wasn't that hard for Andy to find it well, he's Indiana Jones. He could do anything. Exactly. Huh. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like... I don't know. It's one of those things where I hear that, like, meme thing. And I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, you're just you're just full of... You're just trying to poke holes in a great movie. And then I watch yeah. it and I'm like... You know? Like, I love this movie. But this is a massive hole. I don't really care. No. But it is just a massive hole. And I'm wondering, like... Did they just not see this? Or they were just like, eh, screw it. It'll look cool on screen. Maybe it looks cool, but it also, it doesn't matter because it's a great film. And it's about the journey. It's about the journey. You know, whether you watch it two times, a hundred times, 
it'll still keep you engaged with it. Mm. It's aged well. Actually, it's aged really well. The only thing that I think has aged a little shoddily is uh, the when they open the arc and it's the very early computer effects of the ghost things. Those don't age super well, but it still works. But it took me back to Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. With... I don't know if that's good, but... No, <laughs> no but, I mean, I, mean, but I, mean, I like I... Poltergeist. I like the first one. Yeah, I mean, Poltergeist has always scared me. So just seeing that scene today, it, it just kind of popped in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, this feels like Poltergeist when she's in the pool with all the corpses. Yeah. And, you know, it's always a, a gruesome scene when you see that big snake coming out of the, the skeleton's mouth. Yeah. It's always gross. But there's a lot of fun in this movie. Uh, I mean, let alone we have a ride of this movie. We do. We have it at Disneyland, which here is something awesome. Because I found out that um, when... Lawrence Kasdan or, or Kasdan, Lucas and Spielberg were on set for some something. They had to they had like a production meeting back in like the mid seventies, and it was for them to discuss the story that would become Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. and it's all transcribed. Like somebody, like one of their secretaries, transcribed the entire hour long conversation, mm -hmm. two hour long conversation, and Spielberg continually says the movie needs to feel like a, a ride at Disneyland. It needs to feel exciting. It just needs to... We need to be on this roller coaster. Which and, we would get. And I think our ride came in 95? Something like that? I know it was early 90s. Uh, we've both grown up with the ride. Mm -hmm. I mean, we actually have a prop from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not in the ride, but in front of the ride. Do you, yeah. know, you know what it is, right? Oh, God. Uh, it's right in front of... God, I can't remember. The truck. The truck oh, that's right. that... with, the, with the arc in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It sits right in front of the exit of the ride. So mm -hmm. we get to walk past, you know, a little bit of uh, movie history. And it's a very fun ride if you guys haven't ridden it before. Um, I mean, just watching it, you know, the movie today before we recorded uh, when Indy's trying to steal. What's the artifact in the beginning of the movie called? I always forget the name of it. It's the, the gold it's statue. It's the idol. I'll, look, it's it has a real name, and then it has the "Throw me the idol, Doctor Jones." That's the name of it. It's whatever Alfred Molina tells you, because it's uh, da, he's Doc Ock, young Doc Ock. Yes. Exactly. This is what, actually wait, film debut. Yeah, it was his film debut. But um, to go back to that, you know, where they have the the arrows kind of you know coming out of the wall since it's booby trapped. I'm thinking like, oh, the ride where you know you have the the air coming out of the walls like mm -hmm. they're arrows. We have you know the the huge boulder that comes rolling out. So it's very cool to see how the first two movies were intertwined and put into the ride, you know, yeah. when you're driving through and it's like very Temple of Doom. Uh, I mean, let alone, you know, Sala from the movie is the narrator on the ride. Yeah, boy, John Rhys-Davies showing and up. So it, it's very cool that he wanted this to be very much like a ride. And we got it not only in film, but an actual ride here at our Disneyland. Yes, and we did. So you not only get to watch it, you get to live it when you ride this ride. And just heads up, if you ever go to Disneyland, it will be one of the longest waits that you make. Has been for years. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you get there first thing in the morning. It is always a 60-minute wait. But yeah, boo. So after that roller coaster of a ride, do you have any questions for me about the movie? Or are you ready to tell people what's next? what's up for next week? I mean, who doesn't love talking about Indiana Jones? This is true. But yep. boo. Young, handsome Indiana Jones. I know. I know, boo. 
You have a crush on Harrison Ford. I mean, who doesn't? That I man's mean, old enough to be your father. <laughs> Calm down. Grandfather, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I even have my indie pin with me today. Oh my God, you're a massive nerd. Only for Dr. Jones. But yeah. So, so. do you want to spoil what's on next week's agenda? I kind of do, because the theme of this month is cinematic heroes, or American cinematic heroes. But I have a film, not about heroes, but people who were almost heroes. And that's the movie we're going to be watching, is Almost Heroes with Chris Farley and Matthew Perry? That's right. See, he's not the guy from 90210, he's from Friends. And this is his pick, yet he doesn't know his actors in his own film. Uh, look, I saw this movie many moons ago, and I remember having a very fun time with it. It might not age very well, but it has Chris Farley in it, so I'm going to enjoy it. But does it have a banging score like Raiders of the Lost Ark does? I mean, it's pretty cool. I don't know. It's basically a, a Lewis and Clark parody movie, but it's fun. Yeah, but John Williams. Yes, yes, we get it. John Williams does the theme to your life. All the themes. All the themes. But if people wanted to listen to our theme next week, where can they find us? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and just about everywhere else where podcasts are streamed. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. Do you want to plug your other channel? Absolutely, I will. If you want, you can also listen to us on our YouTube channel, In The Frame, on YouTube. Uh, you can also find my other podcast, The Double Feature Picture Show, or The Double Feature Podcast. You'll look us up, you'll find us. And our less consistent but still really fun podcast to obscure for TV, which we're hoping to do a few more episodes in the coming months. But come check us out. Leave some comments. Have some fun. But yeah, boo. And with that, we'll see you next week at the film club.